Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 314. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 207, Lost Cat. Also, we are going to be discussing another two episodes of Lore Olympus and also some stuff that's been happening in the nerd world lately that we should probably discuss. Yes, I think so. So, yeah, uh, Kashik is still missing, and this entire episode is about Cecil's attempts to try and track him down. And spoilers, he doesn't find him. No. But I think this is going to be a multi-part episode, because we know where he's going next. Yep, yep, we sure do. So, yes, he's been going around putting flyers up in town, though every time he shows people a picture of Kashik, people run away screaming with their eyes bleeding. So, you know, that's just, that's one of those things that happens. <laughs> he's gotten some calls from people, but... They said that they found his cat, and he comes to talk with them, and they hold up something that is obviously not a cat. I mean, one person has a bucket of mustard, which he mm-hmm. seems to be very proud of. But I think all the other people were a little sad, not that Cecil didn't find his cat, but they realized they'd never seen a cat before. And I agree, that would be rather sad. That's very, very sad. We have a little bit of sports news. Um, the most interesting thing about that, I think, is that tomorrow is Mountain Derision Night. So that uh, if you want to have some fun, go ahead attend that. Yeah, it was Kevin James Appreciation Day at the last Spider-Wolves game, and everybody got a Lee Marvin bobblehead, or like the first 2,000 people, because that was all that they had. But um, yeah, Kevin James appeared on a 20-foot float and seems to be a great big deal. I don't know. I don't know sports. No, me neither. (laughs) Also, I'm more of a Lee Marvin fan myself, so that's fine. Anyway, uh, Dana had actually called... uh, Cecil with a pretty good suggestion. She says that he should go to the cat park, you know, and just in case you're wondering, cats are allowed in the cat park. People are allowed in the cat park. You should approach the cat park. And the cat park is in the exact same location as the dog park, but you have to approach it at a specific angle. If you approach it at that angle, it's the cat park and you're welcome inside. If you approach it at the wrong angle, it's the dog park and you'll be arrested. Yep. And the cat park is, I mean, it's if you're a cat owner, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's like a bit of stained carpet and a torn up futon and a bunch of people who brought their cats thinking that the cats would want to play, but the cats got freaked out and are either hiding or they ran away. And so I'm like, yeah, that's that's about as well as you could expect from that. I'm not sure what was going on at one point because he got a suggestion from one person to go to the animal shelter and Cecil says, well, it couldn't hurt. And then someone gives this really long explanation of how it could hurt if you managed to cut yourself at this specific moment and then everybody just like said "Uh uh-huh or something in like perfect unison and you had Cecil's voice doubling it was weird I'm not sure I guess the cat park has that kind of effect on people yeah We've got traffic news. There is an overturned 18-wheeler on the highway. Yeah, it's overturned, but it's not wrecked. It is just upside down and traveling at normal speed. And all the other people on the road are getting into wrecks. But there's really no telling if they're getting into wrecks because they saw this or if there's something about the overturned wheeler that is causing it mentally, I think. And... um You know, there's no telling if one is a result of the other, because as one of Cecil's teachers told him, causation is just another fancy way of saying causality, which I'm like, you know, most people do believe that. Yeah, it has kind of bled over into reality now, hasn't it? Mm -hmm, Certainly has. 
So uh, Cecil goes to the animal shelter and uh, Harmony, who runs the shelter, is very proud of the fact that they really have been moving a lot of pets out of the shelter on a regular basis. They don't stay there very long. No. And that's because city council keeps coming once a week and scooping up a whole armload of puppies and kittens and going hungry and then walking out. I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like that at all. (laughs) No, we need to hear something at some point where Cecil goes to visit city council and they're are playing with all their multitudes of kittens and dogs who are just fine. <laughs> Everything's so. fine. End of story. Damn it. Yep. Yep. That's what I choose to believe. Anyway, <laughs> we seriously were like listening to this. We were like, oh no, no, no that's not, <laughs> that's not good. But anyway, Cecil thinks it's all great. But um, before he can leave, Harmony gives him a business card for an animal psychic. Oh, I can't believe he's being suckered into this, but we'll find out about that after the community update. The uh, sculptor George, George Dunham has a new sculpture in the community park, and it's a bear wearing a tuxedo, but no pants. And I think he said that bears in nature want to become business tycoons, which is why they wear the tuxedo. And all of the scientists are telling him that, no, that's not at all what's happening. And he says, I choose to believe that's my truth. And the reason why he says that is because words have been taken off the gold standard. So basically, they're only worth what we decide to believe in them. And I'm like, oh, another thing is bled over to reality, damn it. Yeah, this is heading a little too close to home right now. So anyway, moving right along, Cecil goes to see the animal psychic, but he hasn't got a lot of confidence. Um, she seems very nice, talks in what I guess is a Brooklyn accent or Cecil's approximation of a Brooklyn accent. Her name's Tanya. She had him bring over like a little bit of fur, a little bit of shed skin, a photo, uh, Kashik's favorite toy, which is the bumper off of a car. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> but she starts seeing something and she wants to know if Kashik likes fine art and if he's French. And Cecil's like, uh, he's a cat. And she's like, I sense that he likes to steal things. And then Mm -hmm. she finally comes out and says, Silas. His real name is Silas. And that takes us back to the episode where we found out that Kashik is actually a French art thief uh, stuffed into the body of a very strange cat. So um, as he's talking to her, she kind of asks him, is there any other cats at home? And he's like, well, there's three other ones in the bathroom at the radio station, and she wants to see all of them. So they go off to do that. And in the meantime, he gives us the children's fun fact science corner, which is awful about the planet of awesome size that is lit by no sun. Which scientists don't believe in, but it's... It's weird because Cecil goes ahead and he interviews a scientist and it becomes very clear it's Carlos that he's interviewing as they're getting their child ready for school. Mm. But yeah, I'm not exactly sure I got quite the gist of what Carlos was talking about. It's that the reason why scientists don't believe in the planet of awesome size lit by no sun, it's because they always have to start all scientific exploration with skepticism. And that Mm. means they have to start out by not believing it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I can see that. But the only thing we really know about the planet of awesome size is that um, we've never seen it. We know it exists. We're going to see it someday, but we hope we don't see it soon. So, because if you see the planet of awesome size, it's uh, pretty much lights out. I was about to say, it's a harbinger of death, isn't it? It seems to be everybody yeah. who admits seeing it dies, yeah. I think. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that sounds about right. 
So Cecil took Tanya to the bathroom where she met the three cats, Mixtape, Larry, Leroy, and Potato. But she tells him that that's not their real names. Yeah, Potato is Anissa, I think. Mm -hmm. And Larry, Leroy is Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. And Mixtape is Raphael, but... Raphael likes the name Mixtape better than his real name. And I think Cecil's got a lot of skepticism about all of this. Yeah, especially when that's when she reveals that Silas is Kashek's real name. And she says that she can see him. He's alive and he's living with a witch in a hotel. And this is the point when Cecil basically pays her and she leaves. I mean, he's just, he's done. You know, he's being real nice, but he does not believe any of this. And um, at that point, that's when Cecil hears the cats in the other room kick up a commotion. He's like, is, is it Kashik? Is it Kashik? Uh, here's some weather. And then he runs off and you hear him calling for Kashik as he runs away. No, I don't think the weather this week was bad. It, I just have completely forgotten everything about it already, which is probably yeah. not a really good indication of quality. No, it was stockpiled guns and TV dinners by Malblum. And as you can tell from the title, it is kind of like a country song, but it had like a little bit of punk going on in it. And it does, I don't know, seems to be from what I remember, somebody wishing that they were with somebody and things didn't turn out the way they wanted. It's not a totally depressing song. It's not a particularly happy one. It was fine. So we get back from the weather and Cecil says, okay, it wasn't Kashik coming back. It was Larry Leroy who was visiting his cat, Larry Leroy. And Cecil's like, ah, I knew Larry was coming over to visit. He always comes over to a visit, but I let myself, I let my, get my hopes up. So yeah. Yeah. And, um, he talks to Leroy for a little bit about, you know, missing Kashik and Leroy kind of sympathizes. And then he says, you know, that cats truly are something else. And Cecil just, he has no patience for any of this, like the vague comments or whatever. And he's like, I guess. And Larry's like, you guess? No, cats are something else. He says that every cat is actually a person that has been put inside the body of a non-existent creature. And this entire time, I'm like looking over at my cat Cricket over there going, hello. <laughs> Yes. I was trying to think about what our cats could have been before they were put into the body of cats. And all I could think was that our cat Forrest, um, he's a really confused bodybuilder. That was the first thing that came to mind. This is about right. Yeah, that, that cat has seen some shit, man. Every time you try and take a picture of that cat, <laughs> like, he just looks horrified. Like, oh, no. Oh, God. But yeah, Larry says that uh, his cat, Larry Leroy, is actually, he was an MC, I believe, who lost a rap battle with the wrong person. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, that'll tell you. Um, sometimes they're like dogs who weren't good dogs. You know, you don't think those exist, but, you know, and then they get put into cats. Uh, and when oh. he said people, it, it sounds like it could be people of any kind, like rats and mice mm. and mm. humans and dogs and, and just everything except a cat because cats yep. aren't there. And Leroy says you shouldn't trust cats. You can love them, but never believe what you see. Okay, so Cecil takes that about as well as you could expect, and they kind of move on to the next subject, and Leroy thanks him. I should say Larry. I always want to call him Leroy. It's, it's tough when they have two first names. but It is, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he says thanks to Cecil for coming to that weird art gallery installation they had out in the middle of the woods and um, mentions that there's another big show going on in an art gallery in the big city. And he says there's going to be some really beautiful things there. And if I was an art thief, I might want to steal something, which makes me wonder if Larry Leroy actually knows more 
more than he's letting on about who Kashik is, because it sure sounded like he was dropping some serious hints to Cecil, who was completely oblivious, even though the cat psychic had just gotten done telling Cecil that Silas... Kashik is actually someone named Silas who was an art thief. Yeah, no, but well, you know, Cecil, he's not usually that quick on the uptake. No. Art, but yeah. Um, so Larry Leroy leaves and Cecil closes us out by saying that he's just going to accept that Kashik is just never coming back, which, you know, we've we've heard a fiction podcast before. We know what's going to happen next. So we finished up the episode with, um, I think it was Jeffrey Fink, was uh, delivering the final... Oh, Joseph like, Fink? The, sorry, Joseph Fink, Jeffrey Craner? Yeah. I keep doing that. I do that all Me the too. time. I can remember the yeah. last names, but I will always mismatch the uh, first names. Anyway, it was somebody other than Meg Bashwinner doing the uh, oh. the final announcements and the uh, Daily Proverbs. So I guess they're still giving her a break because she Good. just had a kid. Well, I would hope so. I mean, we talk about, you know, parental leave and maternity leave and all that kind of stuff. That counts for podcast too. So. <laughs> In a perfect world, sure. Yes, exactly. But so that was it for the episode. Uh, it's not going to be too much longer before we have what day is today? Uh, we got another week and we have another episode since we were terribly behind. But you know, we had reasons to be behind. We were watching Spider Man No Way Home. And we also had the return of Laura Olympus, which is what we're going to talk about next. So uh, we talked about the first two episodes of the new season last week, or sorry, the week before time is weird. Um, yes. So the episode after that is mostly... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to do a thing where I actually get numbers of episodes for anybody who doesn't want to get spoiled, because I think that would be fair. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, because so people wouldn't be, okay, have I read the one that was mostly about Artemis, or is this the one that started with uh, Persephone and Zeus? The only reason why I know is I had to go and reread both of them today, because I'm like, wait, hang on, where was I? And we are ahead, because we are still fast-passing, and I'm trying not to, like go all the way as far as possible and just run out of episodes. But I know it's going to happen eventually. So what we're going to talk about first is episode 193. Now that one, as time of this recording, came out just a few days ago. It came out on May 7th. So if you haven't read that one yet, definitely want to skip for the rest of this podcast because we really are going to spoil everything on this one. So it is mostly about Artemis um, because... Artemis and Apollo are at a big ceremony, and I think it's only been like a week since the end of Persephone's trial. And Zeus has decided that he is going to, it's a coronation, and it's going to make Apollo and Artemis the crown prince and the crown princess of Olympus. Yes. Now, Hera is there at the ceremony, and you see Zeus saying, oh, it's good to see you. Does this mean you're going to be moving back in with me soon? And she said, Mm -hmm. I just want to see this shit show with my own eyes. So so, obviously, Hera has just decided to flip a table and march out of their home, which good for her because good for her. This whole ceremony is a celebration of the children that happened because Zeus was unfaithful again. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so Apollo's first and Apollo is all smiling and happy and like wincing when Hera quote accidentally stabs him with a pin. (laughs) But Zeus gives Apollo, he gets one wish that uh, Zeus can give him whatever he wants. And I was surprised because I thought for sure Apollo was going to say, I want Persephone as my wife. But no, what he does is he asks if Leto, his mother, can be allowed to come back to Olympus because Hera laid down the law ages ago that Leto wasn't allowed. But now 
Zeus goes ahead and gives it to him, and he's smiling. He doesn't have a problem with it. I'm sure Hera does. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so I guess this was Leto's endgame, or does Leto have further endgame? Because she was pretty set on Apollo hooking up with Persephone, and I'm assuming it's because she knew Persephone was a fertility goddess. So. Yes, I think her end, end, end game has always been to come out of banishment, and Apollo is definitely going to have to do what she says, because if it wasn't for her, Apollo wouldn't have gotten Demeter, because Leto had Demeter in a cage. And so everything that's happened has all been because she was helping him. So I'm sure she was just like, okay, when he asks for your one wish, this is what you're going to ask for. And next up is Artemis. Yes. And Artemis has been, the whole time Apollo's getting coronated, she's like sitting there. She's like, he knew. He knew that Apollo knew the whole time. Leto knew the whole time. They knew that she had a father and they never told her. And they're liars. And you see her sort of like a a mental image at one point. And she looks into a bed in a bedroom. And I think it's Persephone's bedroom. Oh, yeah. And she's like, what else? What else was he lying about? So um, she makes it all the way up to the stage. But she's just she's obviously freaked out. And Zeus is actually fairly sweet to her. Yeah, it's one of his redeeming qualities. He tells, you know, he wants to know if she's okay. He's like not trying to push her to smile for the limelight or anything. But he tells her, I just want you to know, I am so proud to find out that you're my daughter because I think you're exceptional. And he yeah. actually hugs her. And she yeah. says, I can't be here. And she, he, he's been asking her, okay, what is your one wish? And she says, I want to be in the mortal realm with Persephone. And I thought Zeus was going to kick up a fuss, but he doesn't. He nope. gives her what she asked for. In the Laura Olympian's uh, Instagram feed, when they summarized this episode, they pointed out that one image of Zeus casting whatever spell to turn her into not only the goddess of the hunt, but the protector of young women and sending Mm -hmm. her to the mortal realm. And he's got his hand opening, letting her hand go and pushing her up into the sky. And Apollo, meanwhile, is like grabbing onto her arm, trying to keep her there. And he doesn't like, what are you doing? You can't do this. And she leaves and he looks very sad about it, but she leaves anyway. Yep. Yep. So that's the episode had sort of started with Artemis and some kind of water nymph riding on a animal of some sort and everything. Um, they see Zeus is there and the water nymph is like, is that your pa? And she's like, yeah, she's like, he's early, isn't he? And she's like, yeah. And so then we get the entire flashback of the coronation ceremony. And then after the flashback, Obviously, Zeus has shown up, and this is after the moment when he saw the condom in Persephone's hand. And we were thinking that he was going to flunk her because of the condom. But that's not what happens. No, no. So um, he says hi to Artemis, and he wants to talk with her and catch up, I guess because he only comes down once a year. And she's not able to, because he told her, you know, when she said she wanted to go to the mortal realm, he asked, are you sure? Because you're not going to be able to come back until Persephone does everything that she's supposed to. So yeah, so he hasn't seen her for a year. But Artemis says, everyone is really eager to get back to Olympus, and they're very eager to get this inspection done. So I think you should probably do that first. And he says, okay, goodbye, least angry of all my daughters. So I have to imagine he's getting some shit from everybody else who's related to him. But I so, hope so God, he deserves it. But then he goes and talks with Persephone. <sighs> it's so funny because there's a little bit of me that's, I don't know, I guess I'm a little bit angry at her anyway, but it really doesn't matter. I shouldn't be angry at her. Um, mostly I think I'm angry because Zeus is this good of a manipulator and I had to stop and think about it. I'm like, oh, man. She just says, she starts out and she says, I know 
the rule was no communication with the underworld. But since this is 10 years and it's kind of an anniversary, I was just wondering if you would just please give this letter to Hades. And the very last thing Zeus says is, Persephone, rules are rules. I'm going to have to flunk you just for this. Oh. Like, oh, I wasn't planning on fast passing another one after that, but I was like, oh my God, I've got to get the other one. <laughs> yep, yep. That's exactly what I did too. I was like, oh, I'm just going to read this one more episode. And I'm like, well, I can't leave it there. So, oh, but it, it, I mean, it gets worse. Now, we're going to go now onto episode 194, and that doesn't come out uh, as time of this episode drops uh, for another two days. So, if you're not fast passing, you'll want to stop listening right now and come back later after you've read it because I'm sure you're going to want to. So Persephone is like, wait, but, and Zeus turns away and says, nope, I'm sorry, you're flunked and rules are rules. And he's smiling and he's thinking to himself, that was easy. So this was his plan the entire time. He was going to flunk her for something. And Persephone, obviously, I mean, he's, God, he's so manipulative. He keeps saying things as she's protesting about all this. He keeps saying things like, you've just let everybody down, you know, and you just, oh. And and then he says, and it's it's such a shame because you were so close, which of course she really wasn't. I mean, we see that over and over again in this episode. This was always going to be the result. It was just a matter of Zeus finding an excuse. Yep, yep. But he's got her convinced. And then she finally calls bullshit. And you see him like turn around and start to go into God wrath. And he's saying something like, you know, I know you had my brother wrapped around your little pinky finger, but you're not in the underworld anymore. And she won't let it go. She absolutely won't let it go. And he tells her, you do need to let this go. Have you considered the idea that he might have forgotten all about you? And that is the point (laughs) where Persephone flips the entire table. Oh my God, there's this great, great image where you see her throwing her hands up in the air. She goes, fuck! And then she's like, has her arms straight behind her, leaning forward. Yeah! It's such a glorious image. She's so angry and it's great. And Zeus is still trying to gaslight her to say, oh, I see you still haven't got any control over your emotions. And you see that she's got like Rachel drew this as like an actual sign with everything perfectly lettered out. And it's her word bubble. But she's saying the emotional response that I'm having is completely rational because the history of your behavior towards me is absolutely ridiculous. And she just goes on like that. I mean, she points out this is stupid. This has obviously been his plan the entire time. And his ego is so out of control that he's threatened by a friggin' letter. Yep, yep. And she points out she knows in her heart of hearts. I mean, she takes everything so personally and blames herself. But she even says it's arbitrary. I mean, all this about, well, she hasn't done any of the things that I asked her to do. No, it doesn't matter. Everything, I mean, he can fail her for any reason that he wants to. And he eventually just doesn't want to put up with this. He's like, well, yeah, whatever, I'm out of here. And he leaves. Yeah. He just spaces out. And he goes back up to Olympus and he's just like, that was a shit show. (laughs) And he just, that wasn't, and he's wondering how much longer she's going to keep buying his excuses, which he's kidding himself if he thinks she's buying his excuses now. Now, what happened next, um, I was a little confused with the timeline until the second time I read it. So of course, he's just like, Oh, God, he's like, I should have just taken the letter. She wouldn't have known that I couldn't have given it to him. And you see him stop by at a store and request a particular brand of cigarettes that he wants. And I love I don't know how this works. But the shop owner is just 
just like, yeah, we're sorry, we're kind of on short supplies right now, you know, because of the underworld cutting us off. Maybe if you let your brother have his nuptials with that broad, uh, pink broad, then things would be better. And I was like, whoa, we're talking about speaking truth to power. That yeah. was very good. Yes. So yeah, yeah. in amongst all of this, uh, Zeus happens to see that Apollo is doing some kind of award ceremony or something. And I think he's kind of done with all of that, like a, something like... Yeah, if you're into empty platitudes, which, you know, the yeah. the yeah. greenhorned guy that was speaking truth to Prower, he happens to think that Apollo was doing really good. And I, he made some comment about, he says something like, I don't know, he's kind of inspiring a lot of positive community action while we're all taking the brunt of your family squabble. I'm like, I need to see more of this guy in future episodes. Yeah, this guy's cool. Yeah, I don't know how he doesn't get just smoked by Zeus, but who knows. Um, yeah, Apollo's doing something. I think it's like a store opening. Uh, but it's one of Hestia's projects. But he said, you know, I know Hestia is probably disappointed that she can't be here, but we'll open it anyway. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Hestia is probably back in the mortal realm, isn't she? She's one of the gods and goddesses that deals with people directly, I suppose. I don't know, because it's either that or she wasn't able to attend Persephone's trial because she wasn't feeling well. And the last time that we saw her, her scars from when she was fighting uh, Kronos had opened. So we don't know if maybe she's still under the weather. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. But in amongst all of this, we do get a flashback. That's what confused me, because I thought maybe we were catching a broadcast at the time. But no, Hades even says, you know, a week from, I don't know, yesterday, I suppose. It was a really weird way to phrase it. But basically, just about a week ago, Hades is saying in this broadcast that Zeus sent Persephone to the mortal realm and basically yanked her away from the underworld. But he's saying that during the trial, Persephone had applied to be a permanent resident of the underworld and she had been approved. So what Zeus has done is taken a member of the underworld away and it's actually broken the Olympus underworld treaty. And because of that, Hades is going to cut off exports to Olympus. So um, that's what the whole thing with the cigarettes was about. Yeah. And I was wondering about the timeline too, because was it a week ago that this was a flashback to, or was this a flashback to a week after the trial, right. which was 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how long this conflict has been going on, but it's obviously starting to affect Olympus. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. I'm not sure how much longer Zeus is going to be able to put things off. But I'm interested in finding out how everybody else is in his family and in his life is treating him because of all this. Well, obviously Hera has no fucks to give, but um, <laughs> so you would think that'd be enough for one episode. But she does make these episodes pretty long. There's a lot that goes on, and and we actually come back down to the mortal realm where Persephone is, of course, just distraught. And you see Eris, you know, the goddess of chaos and strife and everything. She's wearing this dress and she walks up to Persephone and is talking to her and saying, I guess you lost your shit or whatever. And Persephone's just like, oh, I'm just, it's all my fault or whatever. She turns around, looks at Eris and says, is that my dress? And Harris is just, she doesn't care. She's like, yeah, I don't have your endowments, but I think it looks pretty good on me. And Persephone just like waves her over. Oh, come on, sit down and starts adjusting it for her. And she says, you can keep it. I could at least make one person happy. And Harris says, it's not your job to make everybody happy all the time. People don't mm-hmm. want to admit it, but wrath has its place. Yes. So Yeah. And I think that was, that was important. What Persephone said to Zeus, because yeah. Zeus needs to be told at all times, 
when he's not fooling anybody. And the last thing that Persephone did before he blipped out of there was read the letter that she wanted to send to Hades. And the last thing she said was, I still love you. And you saw that that stabbed Zeus right between the eyes because he doesn't want people to be suffering, but he also doesn't want to actually fix this problem. He just wants to keep kicking the can down the road. Yep. But before Persephone and Eris can talk about this some more, somebody kind of draws their attention behind him. They turn around. They're like, is that, is that Cerberus? And you see the giant kind of Great Dane dog with just one head. Cerberus only has three heads at certain times and everything. But he's walking up and I didn't catch until the second reading of it that his paw is bleeding a little bit. And Ooh, that's I don't think the I caught that either. Ends. Yeah, I only, I don't know why I didn't notice it the first time around. It's just a tiny little bit of red on his paw. Um, but that's where the episode ends. And I would hope that maybe he's got a message for her, maybe? I don't know. I mean, we can't, we can't have this comic with the two of them separated for too long. It's just going to break my heart, and I'm really impatient. It's got, got to resolve at some point. And I think people are grasping at any hope from the original mythology. Someone said that when Persephone was kidnapped by Hades in the original myth, one of the versions of the story was that she was out picking flowers with Artemis and Athena, I think. So the idea of Artemis being there in her realm, maybe that's a nod to that where Hades is just going to come up from the underworld and drag her back out of the mortal realm and there'll be nothing that Zeus can do about it. But, you know, we also need to find out, all right, what the hell is happening with Demeter? And yes. what the hell is happening going on with Leto and Apollo? Are they still plotting? And I think the Laura Olympiads, if you go to their Instagram page, they've got a really good post that has all of the questions that people are asking about the timestamp. Like, how did she fix Daphne? Does she know what happened to Daphne and why Daphne was, you know, turned into a tree in the first place? Which she would have to, you would yeah, think. I would hope that she would say so, but I mean, also Thanatos and Daphne, are they together? I want to see more of their relationship. Also, what's happening with Eros and Psyche, for crying out loud? We haven't heard anything from them either. So hopefully they're, I'm sure they're just fine, but I still want to see them. We did see Thetis at the... um uh, the coronation ceremony when Artemis was walking up to the stage looking really freaked out and you saw Thanatos was sitting there and then Thetis leans over and she says, what's wrong with Artemis? But that's, so that's the first time we've seen her since the trial and we don't know um, if that relationship with um, Zeus is still on. Yeah, though, isn't Thetis, isn't Thetis green? I thought it was a green wasn't it green? I thought, I thought it was purple because I thought it was Aphrodite who was leaning over to ask, but I, now I don't know. <laughs> I could, it's hard to tell when you only saw like half of the person's face. I could have sworn it was Thetis, but it would be nice if it wasn't. Hang on. It's definitely a purple chick. So I assumed Aphrodite, but... Well, that would be... So, okay, now we have to wonder what is going on with Thetis. Is she persona non grata with Zeus now? Or has Zeus decided that it's perfectly fine to have her around all the time if Hera has bailed on their house? I have no idea. Plus, we also have the preview image for this entire part of the season, which was a shot of the underworld, but it looked like tendrils from Persephone's plants growing down into it. Is that just... 
Was that a stylistic choice or is that actually a look into what the future holds? Is she just going to manage to wrench her way into the underworld? That'd be cool. I mean, talking about flipping the myth on its head, not only was she not kidnapped, she absolutely drove her way into the underworld. That'd be great. That would be great. And we still don't know what's going on with Kronos because we saw him at one point when he, some of the petals from her tree drifted down to his prison, he looked up and said, "Ah, oh, finally, you've brought me a fertility goddess." Wow. But that was that was a while ago. I think I was yeah. more than a year ago. That particular image. <sighs> I don't know. God. Anyway. Anyway. So we'll discuss this more. It's just it, it kills me that if I wait until next week, that's still the last of the fast pass episodes that I've read. <laughs> I knew that I was going to regret getting all these fast pass episodes and reading them all at once. Cause ah, now my whole timeline's borked, but anyway, so that's all for Laura Limbus. <laughs> Anything else that uh, you've heard might've happened in the nerd world recently that caused a stir? Well, I think there may possibly be somebody else cast in a pretty damn important role now. <laughs> That's right. We just found out from the BBC that we have a brand new doctor for Doctor Who. It's very exciting. It is. Can't wait. But of course, I'm going to have to go back and watch all the Jodie Whittaker episodes that I still haven't watched. Come on, BBC. Oh, you crazy. need to put these on a streaming platform that is available to Americans. I mean, well, having to rent it episode by episode is a little irritating. I have even less excuse because I actually have Jodie Whittaker's first season on DVD that I got from the library, and I still haven't watched it. I don't know what the block is for me on this, why I haven't just jumped into it. I mean, I'm like, I'm watching Beastars again for the third time. I have no idea why I won't watch something that has always been so important to me. I guess it's just because I heard that her first season was fine. I've I've had some people say they I've heard them say that it's felt like the writers were trying to do a pulling in all the greatest hits for the doctors, basically a lot of fan service and like a lot of, Oh, well, you remember this from Dr. Who, how about this? And maybe this, like, you know, trying to be pleasing without maybe necessarily telling the best story. I don't know. It's all hearsay to me because I haven't watched more than like the first two, three episodes of her run. And I think part of it is this stupid pandemic it's just killed my motivation in a lot of things. It just feels like it's so much easier to procrastinate now and just kick back and rewatch something that I've watched a bunch more times because it doesn't require a lot of effort and I don't have to feel stressed. I mean, sometimes it's a bit stressful to read Laura Olympus because yeah. it's a brand new story that I am so emotionally invested in. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like I'm just trying to avoid any of that kind of emotional investment with too many things. No, I totally get that. But I'm going to have to. So just because I haven't actually come out and said his name out loud, our brand new doctor is Shudi Gatwa. There is an N at the beginning of his name, but I did not want to be that white girl who didn't actually learn how to pronounce someone's name correctly. So anyway, <laughs> Shudi Gatwa, I believe he is known mostly from a show called Sex Education, which I believe any of our British listeners, and from what our stats say, we have a few of them, but um, I think they'll know this uh, better than we will. But everybody seems to be very excited. Um, he's Scottish Rwandan, which I think is very oh, cool. Oh, what yeah. a nice combo. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And I was listening to an interview with him. He's got a beautiful voice. Good looking dude. From all accounts, seems like a really genuinely nice person. And there are a lot of people who are really excited about this. So yeah, after all the speculation over who was going to get the role and... I'm actually kind of glad. I mean, it was fun to imagine going to Tom Hiddleston or Idris Elba or all that kind of thing. But I, I do think it's better that they went with somebody who 
the creators felt that he would be right for the role, not just a big name that might actually like overpower the role. That was the first thing I thought when people suggested Hiddleston and um, uh, Idris Elba is they're just, they're such big stars for a good reason. They're damn good at their job. They're really good. But they bring so much extra baggage to the character. I mean, maybe it would be good baggage. There'd be an awful lot of people that would watch the show who might not have given it a try. But I really feel like the doctor needs to be somebody that will just make the role their own. Yeah. And, but then be able to step aside and then not have everybody go, oh, well, this famous person isn't in anymore. Well, then your numbers are going to go down. No, it's got to be for the character, I think. Right. There is simultaneous news, though I think people were pretty sure about this beforehand, but it's just me not paying attention. Russell T. Davies is also going to be show running again. So that's very exciting. I mean, there were plenty of Moffat episodes that I enjoyed, but I, I really feel like I think the majority of episodes that I treasure were always Russell T. Davies episodes. Um, I could give you a list right now, but I don't have one because why would we prepare? <laughs> so yeah, it's a brand new doctor, Russell T. Davies coming back. I'm hoping for the best. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, the only thing that would be better if, is if they got Murray Gold to come back to do the music. Because oh, then we could God. have some more Doctor Who fan orchestra stuff. Because we haven't had any for a long time. And it was all definitely based on Murray Gold's compositions, I think. So there hasn't been any need, I don't think, to do any more Doctor Who fan orchestra episodes. I need a reason to practice my violin. God, yes, absolutely. I mean, there were a lot of people who were asking, they're like, oh, can we do the music from this or that or this classic episode? And the creators of the fan orchestra are like, this was specifically Murray Gold stuff. And I I like having boundaries on stuff like that, because you could go crazy into, I mean, the show's been around for decades. We don't need to do every single song. (laughs) But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, or fan art galleries, you know? I mean, uh, I actually got a request from Lauren, who went to WonderCon for us. She's going to be in Seattle when Emerald City Comic Con goes on. And she was like... Do you think you could get me a press pass? I'm like, oh my god, I could sure try. So we've never, <laughs> we've never had anybody from the site go to Emerald City Comic Con. That would be amazing. So keep your fingers crossed because she's a really good photographer and she's very passionate about getting good photos and also doing interviews, which is really awesome. So, um, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, probably a Night Vale episode, I think. And I'll probably have read a couple more episodes of Laura Olympus on the Fast yeah, Fast. No matter I'm how sure. much I try to resist, it'll happen. Yeah. And whatever other, you know, shiny nerd stuff crosses our path. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. <laughs>
episode number, please. <laughs> Hang on a second. You know what? I'm going to look. Do you have that? Uh, I don't have it up. No, I'm, I'm going to. I'm, this, this. Oh, wait. No, it's, a, it's I was about to say it's on the fast pass. So you it's going to be on my phone. It's, oh, my God. That's it? why I couldn't look it up because I'm recording on the phone. It's not going to be there. Okay. Oh, no, that's not it. Come on. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so angry. Ah, uh, like, bring. Hang on a second. It's such a quotable episode. You'd think I'd actually written something down. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is it um, the new Love, Death, and Robots? No, the brand new Doctor. Oh, right, right. 